0: Thank you. extends it, offering a new application that gets to the heart of what Jesus wants to do. First he commented on seething contempt and anger and how whenever we harbor that anger against another we dehumanize them. Then he talks about the second look the look full of lustful intent that turns another into an object for our own sexual gratification. Then he condemns an easy this yes. is You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take. It's dramatic. It breaks your heart. It heals your heart. It does all the things a good TV show should do. It's kind of old. It's from, well, I say old. It's from the early 2000s, and I like put that in context. I'm from earlier than that. Um, So it is an early 2000s show, but it is incredible. It's the spin room. And while it is prevalent in politics, I would like to argue that the spin is more prevalent than than just in the political arena. We are surrounded by a culture of spin. We call it public. It's truth, he says. And so Jesus speaks into a moment like our own, that had its own song and dance, that had its own spin devised to distort the truth. And so Jesus' comments right here on oath-taking and truth-telling speak into that moment and speak into his own culture's distortion of Unlike the previous statements, Jesus is not necessarily extending a specific command in this moment. Rather, he is challenging and prohibiting a practice of oath taking that had developed. So, here's the backstory. We're all familiar with what is the second or A right application, but not necessarily the men's application. That we don't use the Lord's name with a curse word, or we don't slam our finger in the door and yell something about God. That's not necessarily. Mm morning they didn't want to do. It was a method for distorting the truth and shielding themselves from the guilt associated with lying. And Jesus rightfully criticizes those with a loose commitment to truth by prohibiting oaths altogether and instructing his disciples to let their. necessarily something and say, I swear to tell the truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. All of a sudden, the expectation in this room is that the next moment I have a deeper commitment to truth than what I would have had if I texted you, I will be there. Yet Jesus is cutting to the heart of that, saying that we cannot be a people statement that is accompanied by an oath that should be kept, and the other without an oath, in which we are less obliged to keep. And he cuts at the heart of these practices, calling us to be fully committed people to truth. Whether in a courtroom or in a lunch meeting, we must be people of our word. For Jesus is casting a vision of a kingdom, of dishonesty, because we will be people committed to the truth. The practice of oath-taking is only necessary in a world full of lies. The practice of saying, I swear on this or that is only necessary if there are a people known to be dishonest. Jesus says, in the body of Christ, in the people that are known by my name, there should be no each of us will have an abiding commitment to simple honesty and being people of our word. So this brings us to two aspects of this command that are worth addressing separately. So buckle up. It's not going to be bumpy, but it's going to be deeper than you expected. Because honestly, as I approached this one, I was like, ah, ah, being honest, this is going to So the two aspects of Jesus' command that are worth addressing separately are truth-telling in our public lives or our political lives and truth-telling in our interpersonal communication in our interpersonal lives. So truth-telling in our public lives. So as we talk about oaths, one of the few places oaths are still practiced are in the public sphere. So oaths of office, courtroom oaths, oaths of enlistment, etc. Our political life, Is a great tension because without equivocation, Jesus says, Do not take an oath at all. So, if you find yourself called to a courtroom, elected to an office, or in a profession in which an oath is required, what do you do? What do you do with Jesus' prohibition? And this is where the church and scholars have been deeply divided for 2,000 years. Specifically, two camps have emerged. specifically to interpersonal oaths. So if you are called upon to perform a public service for the good of your neighbor, then oath-taking is permissible. So, political office, military service, court witness, jury, all become permissible applications assuming you are committed to truth and the good of your neighbor. So, all Underpinning is still a commitment to truth. This is a pragmatic and hands-on approach to being the people of God, that there are some moments in which we have to step into a world of lies to be truth. So the first camp is there is permissible exemptions for the sake of our neighbor to this. The second camp I describe as of God, as Paul refers to us, what obligation do we have to the rulers of our day? And this is an interpretation of a whole suggests that we best bear witness to Christ when we refuse to partner with corruption on any level. It is an idealistic and lofty vision of the kingdom of God set against the power primary interpretation for the first 300 years after Jesus. Um, And in the coming weeks, we'll explore a little bit more of the early church and their politic. But it's worth noting that there are two camps, and that there's actually probably a great deal of value in Christians exercising both camps, that we need faithful Christians. ask all the probing questions to determine whether truth and the welfare of your neighbor is truly being exercised. If you're of the first opinion of permissible service, you need to have a whole list of questions that go into should I take this oath because is there a true commitment to truth here? And if you're of the second, you will always be at odds with the powers that be because I've never heard a government that loves to be told no. be in a posture of questioning, and challenging to make sure truth and the good of our neighbor are being followed, there is a little bit of a murky water in how it goes about being applied specifically. But there's probably room for gray. While the public application has some gray, the interpersonal application is crystal clear. Jesus demands that we are people of integrity and committed to simple honesty. Um, Dallas Willard in his work, The Divine Conspiracy, which we have quoted at nauseum. So, at this point, you've somewhat read it because we keep quoting it, in part because it's one of my favorite works on the Sermon on the Mount. Dallas Willard, in his chapter on this command, writes, The essence of swearing that Jesus targets here is about invoking something, or someone else, especially God, to make your words seem more significant and weighty. The aim is to impress others with your seriousness or piety so that you get what you want. It is a device of manipulation designed to override the judgment or input of others in order to possess them for our purposes. It's manipulation, or as we say in our culture, spin and Jesus says it's evil. Instead of loving and honoring others with truthfulness, the intent is to get one's way by verbal manipulation of the thoughts and choices of others. Jesus compels us to reject the culture of spin and manipulation and to be people committed to simple, straightforward honesty. If the band would join me back on the stage, we we'll kind of Bring this to a close. This commitment to Jesus' ethic of simple honesty has so many applications I didn't know where to begin. Because if you reflect on this even for the briefest of moments, you your own heart and your if you said, God told me so. It means that we are committed to telling the truth even if it means pain or conflict. And if I'm honest, you'll no pun intended, I thought this would be an easy command to check off. I genuinely stepped into studying this moment to go, I-, I tell the truth a lot. And the more I reflected on it, the more my own heart betrayed me. The more I thought about it, the more I became aware of subtle misdire- misdirections that I perpetrate every day. I'm more aware of how I dodge questions with. And as we wrap up this moment and this reflection, we always strive to give a spiritual practice. Something that we can immediately grapple with and we can immediately move from, that's a great idea, into a habit that embodies the nature of this coming up. And the first one is pretty simple. Just make a commitment. claims of God, I want you to murder that person. kc.church